If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Greetings, one and all. This is Randy Andrews. Today on Soundtrack Alley, we'll be discussing Alien with special guest Tim Benson. and I've got Tim Benson here with me again on the podcast. It's hey. good to have you on the show. Glad to be back. Yeah. You know, when we got together before, I we both had thought about different lists of different movies that we'd like to do, and Alien was one of those movies that you had never seen. Yeah, I have seen every Alien movie. Um, Aliens, Aliens Predator... Prometheus. I've seen them all except the original Alien. And it's just, I just missed it. You know, and I know a lot about it. And mm-hmm. I know all the stuff that's parodied. You know, like Spaceballs. The yeah. thing busts out of him. Like, I know that that's parodying a movie I haven't seen. Um, but, you know, so I felt like I didn't need to. But yeah. I said, no, nah, I should have I seen it a long time ago. Yeah, like, it, it was... it's kind of essential for science fiction and for space horror because it set the genre oh yeah so um yeah, i don't really i'm gonna jump into this i don't really like scorny weaver oh like i just <laughs> i just like there's nothing wrong with her but i just don't enjoy she was, her she her, was great and it doesn't matter what movie yeah um she so, was great in alien and aliens yeah i think all the other ones could have gotten by with another actress. Yeah, I don't. And that's. I don't think she does a bad job. You know, like there are people that are very nice people that I don't like. You know, mm-hmm. I just don't like her. Yeah. I just don't like yeah. watching her in film because of her. There, there are tons of movies that I like that she's in though. So like Galaxy Quest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's in all kinds <laughs> of movies that I like. Yeah. Um, it's just never been like. I never had to see it so, mm-hmm. until now. So, but I'm glad, definitely glad I did. So, yeah. One of the things I was noticing about this movie, Alien, that uh, Jerry Goldsmith, the composer, yeah. really captures the idea of space horror. I've got the audio for the original trailer of the movie back in 1979. Now, there were two trailers. One was just music, and one had words and you know 
everything. So I'm going to play the one with words and show us how that sounds. Attention to the crew of the commercial vessel Nostromo. A word of warning. A word of warning. A word of warning. Alien. Coming this summer to a theater near you. So what do you think? Do you think that made the the goal of getting a, a proper scare factor? Yeah, I think, I mean, the movie, the music in this movie is so important because, it, I mean, it's space. You know, mm -hmm. so there's no, there's not a lot, there's no background noise when you're watching a ship fly through space because yeah. there is no sound. Um, mm -hmm. Hence the, the tagline for all the promos, you know, no one can hear you scream. Um so the the music is, is perfect um and they cut the the vocals out of it but the the, the vocals they use for that source set the tone yeah uh, you know so you can feel that in the scored music and everything so yeah and i found that like when watching the blu-ray and watching it with the isolated score it's really different to watch it that way because it's kind it kind of felt choppy because of what had happened with the whole situation. Let's get yeah. into that. Yeah, I think choppy is the right word because it got chopped up by somebody who isn't Jerry Goldsmith. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Um, and Ridley Scott and Jerry Goldsmith, they were at odds with this film. Jerry yeah. Goldsmith, they, he wanted a more melodic score, something that you could really flow with and you know have it be more complete but Ridley Scott said let's tone it down and then when they were all complete scoring the film Ridley Scott went back and re-scored or had a bunch of edits done mm -hmm. to make the score what he wanted I think I, I think about our last episode with Dune like David Lynch wanted to do certain things but De Laurentiis had such a vision for it and the same thing here Ridley Scott had such a vision that um, Jerry Goldsmith had something he wanted to do which was very 2001 yeah. style um, uh -huh. and personally like I'm glad Ridley Scott went in and did it because I didn't want to see another 2001 I yeah. wanted to see you know Alien um, and you, I mean you we talked about this before but Aliens the sequel mm -hmm. the exact same thing happened and I wonder yeah I wonder if it's not a similar example, like the composer for Aliens was trying to do something like Alien. Uh-uh. No? No. Uh, with Aliens, uh, the, the thing that J uh, James Horner was doing was he was trying to wait on James Cameron to get done filming. No. Oh, well, he, <laughs> he was still not He was still not done filming, and so James Horner was saying i've got to get this film scored and he only had like three weeks to get it done hmm. and that was really hard for him to do he accomplished it and he created an amazing score which sometime later I'd, i'll be going over aliens yeah. and really going into more of that conversation but 
yeah, um, you know, it's really interesting. Some of the facts that you find out regarding Alien and the uh, HP, uh, I can't, HP Geiger. Oh, H.R. Geiger. H.R. Geiger. I'm sorry, not HP. But H.R. Uh, Geiger, he created the concepts for Alien and so many aspects of the movie are like set pieces and backgrounds and uh, paintings yeah paintings and then one of the main film production sets that they used was the uh, the Prometheus the the giant skeleton I I haven't looked real hard but I still haven't figured out like what they called him and I was looking at notes alien and they didn't know either they, yeah. they just called it the big thing or they they came the up big... with all kinds of names for it but they in the score until... it's called the skeleton yeah and, so, but, and like every single person had a different name for yeah. it until they made prometheus where yeah. they actually wrote out the the names and, and everything for mm-hmm. it but but it was it's... really interesting because one of the notes i had on that let's see if i can find it it was really interesting because they called it their C- Cecil B. DeMille. Yeah. Because the filming um, company didn't want to do a giant set. Look, it was going to cost a ton of money, and yeah. you only see it once. Yeah. Or one sequence. And the studio was like, nah, we can just come paint it. Or come up with something else. We don't have to build a set. Yeah. Uh, so they had to really sell the importance Scott of it. And Ridley Scott was like, this is necessary. Yeah. To set the tone for the film. I, you know, we all speculate quite a bit, but I, I would not be surprised if it, Ridley Scott or the writer of this, uh, I can't remember the name. Um, who did who did the screenplay? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, well, I, I wonder if Ridley Scott and the person who wrote the story itself, this wasn't a throwaway thing. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it was a throwaway oh, thing, maybe. and then this is where Ridley Scott decided to dig his, you know, dig his feet and fight the studio on. Yeah, you wonder if that fight is what made him think, well, maybe there could be more, and that's where Prometheus, the the mythology, comes from. Yeah, Whereas exactly. It probably was throwaway. But it was one of those things where, you know, you just, you find something you really like and you can't say why. Mm-hmm. You wonder if, you know, Ridley Scott didn't get a painting from Geiger of the Prometheus guy and just be like, wow, that's, you know, like, I gotta Amazing. have that. Yep. I gotta have it. Yeah. And fought harder than maybe he needed to. Yeah. I'm glad he did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was... Because they were able to reuse the same set piece. Yeah. Uh, later on. 30 with, years later. With yeah. Prometheus. Uh, but also, one thing that I noted is that to preserve even the shock value of the alien itself, the appearance oh, of yeah. that alien, um, well, not the Prometheus, but the, the alien itself. The xenomorph. Um, yes, yeah. the xenomorph. Uh, no production images were released for the film. Yeah. And so even the author... Of the novelization, Alan Dean Foster, the go-to, didn't yeah. have much to go on. He didn't. He couldn't really go into a description on the actual alien because he didn't have any pictures to go yeah. off of. So you wonder, like, what makes Alien so great is that you don't see it. Mm-hmm. You don't know it's coming. Um, 
you know, the promo image for the movie posters, it's the egg. Like, yeah. you know something is coming, and the, yeah. the music does it perfectly. You know something is coming, mm-hmm. and you know it's going to be freaking amazing. Um, so when it finally does, the payoff is there. Yeah. So, you, I mean, even Alan Dean Foster writing the novelization, you're in the character's head, not the Xenomorph's head. Yeah. So you don't need to know what it looks no. like, you know? So that's it's not surprising. I think it's a good tactic, um, and I liked it. So. Yeah, it was it was well put together. Uh, some of the <laughs> one of the interesting things was you know how I've talked with um, Eric Woods on Cinematic Sound Radio about the reactions that uh, Steven Spielberg got with the the boy in the film and how he used different things to identify to make that child react the way he did well ridley scott did the same thing with the cat jones in alien by using a german shepherd (laughs) that he had placed it in front of uh jones uh so that the cat wouldn't see it at first uh like it was behind ridley scott and then he moved and then the screen was removed to where they were hiding the German Shepherd, yeah. and the cat all of a sudden hissed and got back up on all fours and just kind of, you know, backed off because it was the reaction they needed yeah. to be able to show that cat was trying to react to the alien that was yeah. standing there. So, well, the, the cat tells a lot of the narrative through the movie. Probably yeah. probably more than it should. I mean, it's a cat. Like, <laughs> well, not even a cat in space. <laughs> yeah. Why, uh, why is there a cat in space? Yeah. Like, of all the conveniences they don't have on that ship, mm-hmm. they have a cat. Yeah. You know? Like, <laughs> that's... that's I, I don't feel that way while I'm watching the movie, but thinking about it, like, afterward, I'm, it's one of the things that I'm critical of is yeah. the cat. Well, the cat survives. Yeah, and the cat sure does. Ends up in the second one. <laughs> so, um, the alien pet. But what's interesting um, is that they had designed the alien suit, and they didn't use cgi they didn't use special effects to make it seem like it was animated or something yeah it was a guy in a suit Mm -hmm. and in order for them to show the scare factor of the film they used they never showed the camera looking directly at the alien's face yeah because otherwise you could see like the outline of the guy's face from behind the long neck of well, they, the alien. They rarely show it at all. Yeah. They rarely, even more rarely, they, for them to show the whole body. Yeah, it's so and, dark. And once you do yeah. see full body, you, you're like, you yeah, that's a guy in a suit. It's but, a guy in a suit. Um, However, with how creepy it was, yeah. it made the factor better. Oh, yeah, I can to imagine see it. like sitting in a movie theater, even sitting at home. Having never seen an alien film, I wouldn't have been able to, like, step back and say, oh, that's a guy in a suit. I would have been terrified. I would have been, like, wrapped up in the movie, but having seen aliens and xenomorphs for so long, mm-hmm. um, you know, for me, even on first viewing, 
I was like, yeah, that's a guy in a suit, but it's still <laughs> great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so especially, I mean, 79, first viewing, or even anyone who's never seen an alien film, there's there's no way you're 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 not caught up in the moment for that. Yeah. So they definitely show the whole body and they can pull it off and they do it all. So. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I I found what they called it. They called the the skeleton a uh, space jockey. What do they call it in Prometheus, though? I don't that's, remember. That's what I was trying I, to think I, of. I but... don't remember what they called it. They It was a giant alien yeah. pilot, uh, but it was their Cecil B. DeMille shot, showing the audience that this wasn't some low-budget B-movie. Yeah. They actually put a lot of work into putting that in. Oh, oh, here's, here's something unique that I liked about the notes I had on it. You know how there's the scene where um, the two actors are bringing in Harry Dean Stanton. Or no, Harry Dean Stanton isn't in that scene. Uh, but the... Well, Dallas and Kane and um, Lambert. Yeah. Who went to uh, investigate the ship oh and yeah and find the eggs and find, find the, the egg the... and the one guy you know he gets uh, john hurt he gets yeah. the alien on his face while they're trying to get into the ship and uh when they finally get it into the lab um the reaction of veronica cartwright that she smacked uh, Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, oh, yeah. Every time that Ridley Scott tried to film that scene, Sigourney Weaver would shy away. <laughs> so Ridley Scott told Veronica Cartwright to go ahead and just smack her really hard without her knowing. Okay. And that was the reaction they went for because it was real. Yeah. And she actually reacted mad. But it worked. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> otherwise it would have been an act and it wouldn't have looked right. Yeah. So now, I thought that was unique. Granted, like Sigourney, we were like, come on, you should be able to take a hit. And yeah. It's called acting for yeah. a reason. But <laughs> um, the Prometheus things, they are called engineers. Oh, okay. Sim- All right. Simple. Well, that's, but, that's yeah. simple I just had to, I had to look it up before. It was going to bother me. Yeah. Um, I did see to get to or go back to the music. Um, you know, it got cut by Ridley Scott, got cut by producers. Um, it still won some awards. Like it still yeah. is, you know, hailed as one of the the best um, soundtracks of all time. Mm-hmm. Or it's like top twenty of all time and top five of science fiction specifically. Yeah. So, like Nostromo, the the yeah. main theme. Of the Nostromo, yeah, uh, has been used so many different times that you know it's from Alien. Yeah, it's not from any other movie. Even if you don't realize, yeah, yeah it's you feel Alien, um, yeah, no matter what. So mm-hmm. I did I like see. That. Um, one of the things I found I'm going to say amusing is so they they went back and they cut the score quite a bit. Oh yeah. Well, they they also went back and they bought the rights. To something Jerry Goldsmith had produced years prior, and used it as oh, well, like okay. without without asking without him at all. I mean, it wasn't permission. his to sell. 
Yeah. Uh, but I mean, he was hired to do the score. There's a certain, you know, decency to talk to the guy before you. Yeah. Like, like they went and bought, and they they found something that he had produced because they wanted to maintain a single composer credit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was amusing and just an example <laughs> of how Ridley Scott controls anything he does. He does, um, yeah. But I can't, I can't say he doesn't justify it. So, <laughs> well, what did you think about the actual face hugger, the the creature they used? Yeah, um, I have always kind of disliked the face huggers. Yeah. Like as a the xenomorph mythology, the face huggers were always my least favorite. And then, well, they are the been, most scary. It's probably been a few years since I've seen any... Well, I guess Prometheus, I, you know, I saw that. Um, but I don't watch alien movies very no. often. So yeah. I guess I'm going to say I grew up a little. And now watching it, the facehugger is just terrible. Like, oh yeah. my... No, I mean, like, that's it's terror. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, it's utter uh, terror. To have something small that can kill you, um, that's yeah. sometimes worse than, like, the giant monster. As a kid, yeah. you're scared of giants. As an adult, you're scared of um, something you know, mosquitoes, something you know, more because insidious. the mosquito is going to slowly kill you. Yeah. Um, you know, so the face suckers have grown on me, um, and I to like... see it attached to the engineer. Yeah. Like there is a giant face hugger yeah. on the engineer was really cool. Um or at least I that's how I saw it. It looked yeah. like it oh, looked yeah. like this It was giant. Okay. <laughs> it um, was massive. Well the, I know the engineer's giant and it looked like there was a face hugger on it. Mm-hmm. Um although that could have just been the skeletal. It structure. had been the skeletal okay. part of it um, that had attached itself. Yeah. And then to have how it wraps around their neck. Yeah. Um, you know, just like like a snake. Uh, yeah, those are cool. Um, I I found that originally they were gonna have it painted green, mm-hmm. and they went ahead with unpainted, and so it made it more terrifying. Yeah. Because it was like flesh like. Yeah, you you get away from that campy. Yeah, it was interesting. The things that they used when you see the scene where. It's off of uh, John Hurt's face, and they're looking at the interior design of the organs and whatever oh, yeah. it is. Yeah. It's all pig Black. and mm-hmm. it's pig and uh, cow and stuff like that. They yeah. use different organs. I mean, real organs yeah. to make it look all disgusting. It was definitely <laughs> disgusting. Uh. So. Oh, yeah, here it is. Uh, They used fresh shellfish, four oysters, a sheep kidney Mm. to recreate the internal organs of it. And then I thought it was interesting that one guy made up the idea that the alien should bleed acid. Okay. So that actually added even a scare factor to that because not only could it kill you from outside it could it could burn you (laughs) you can you can tell that the acid blood was an afterthought yeah um whether it was an afterthought while it was being written or while it was being made as a movie but it's so inconsistent like the acid like it's still acid 
blood after you, the alien dies. Yeah. So when they're playing around with the dead facehugger, why isn't it? Why isn't it? Yeah. Bleeding? Why isn't there acid involved? Yeah. Um, stuff like that. So and that's all the movies. You know, if it can eat through the hull of the ship, you know, there's there's got to be more consequence. Yeah. Know, but yeah. I thought it was it was a little inconsistent, <laughs> but I, I love the the fact that it's it's blood. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, um, even going back to the idea of the space jockey, I thought it was interesting. Um, Ron Cobb, who is who is one of the, um, I think he was one of the scriptwriters. Um, he had he had said what really happened to the space jockeys. He relayed an explanation that there was a cataclysm that caused the extermination of the adults, uh, leaving no one to tend and nurture the young. And then there was a lower dark chamber with a breeding temple with a large number of eggs that lied dormant. And it was waiting to sense something warm. Okay. And so years later, the jockey ran race came to the planetoid and the jockeys were on this mission of exploration and archaeology. They were fascinated by this temple and unknown culture. And then one of them find, found the egg chamber and got face-hugged. Yeah. <laughs> he gets rescued, but no one knows what happened. And they take him back to the ship uh, and continue their exploration. But the alien uh, dies and immediately de decomposes it causing the hole of acid yeah. uh, in the ship. And um, I thought that was just interesting, their their mythology. They were trying to come up with an idea for a background yeah. on the character of the skeleton. So I found that interesting. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of the uh, computer, Mother? Um, that was really the one time where the movie felt dated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, um, yeah. the rest of it was very lived in, you know, natural engineering, stuff like that. Um, but when they went in to, to see Mother, and you've got this sphere of Christmas computer lights. chips and Pretty Christmas much. lights. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's where it felt dated. Um, you know, and, and, I mean, you can't blame the movie for that. I mean, at the time it wasn't dated, but um, that was... That was the one, you know, and yeah. I couldn't quite tell if this was, was supposed to be AI or communication it with seemed AI, you know, mother, mother being uh, mother base, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. they weren't, it, and they they didn't intend to be clear on it, but I, I never quite understood whether mother was them communicating live, like real time, with somebody. Or if it was the an AI for the ship, I um, think it was more of an AI, and that's that's what I decided. Yeah. Mainly because so I watched it, um, I watched it through like theatrical cut, and then I went back and I watched the director's cut, and so on I the, think the theatrical cut actually has more. Yeah. In regard to their conversations with Mother, the computer. Well, yeah, I guess what I noticed the second time through is the very beginning, you start you see the ship itself. Mm -hmm. um, it's gigantic. Yeah. You know? It's massive. It is gigantic. And then the ship they take down to the planet is it's pretty tiny. big, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's still yeah. a pretty good-sized ship. Yeah. So, for something that big to operate with no crew, 
the there has to be an AI element. Yeah. So, and yeah. so that's what I decided Mother was an AI and that her technology was very dated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, I mean, things got better. Yeah. I mean, when they came up with uh, Aliens, oh, it got yeah. a whole lot better. So. I did like... I liked how you had this, like really really intelligent ai system in mother but for them to communicate from the engineering to the um cockpit of the ship mm -hmm. was really difficult like yeah. the, it was hard for them to understand each other uh or it's hard for you as a listener to understand um so i i, I found those those imbalances uh, amusing and, and enjoyable um that you could have an ai running this ship but you can't have clear communication from one side of the ship to the other. Yeah, uh. that's true. Um, one thing I liked is that they used, you know, how with the cast, there was only, what, six people, six, seven people yeah. as the cast. Um, the unknown variable was Ash, yeah. Who is played by Ian Holm. Amazingly done. I mean, Ian Holm did an amazing job being that uh, robot. However, he was never part of the original screenplay. Oh, yeah. They put him in later uh, to add kind of a conspiratorial note yeah. to the company that they hmm. worked for. And all the AIs throughout the whole... Um, series were all alphabetical. Bish yeah. So they do Ash, they do Bishop, Bishop in Aliens, and then they continue with um, Bishop in Aliens and Alien 3, and then Call Okay. Uh, with Winona Ryder. Yeah. And then in Prometheus, they use David. Okay. So it's all alphabetical hmm. I, you know, as they went through that. that. Um, that's I, only because I looked it up oh, from yeah. my notes, so... I, I like, I, I like the android in all the movies. You can tell that that was... And I feel like Ridley Scott does this all the time, where he, he thinks of things while making the movie, mm -hmm. um, or well into production. Yeah. Um, and he, so he makes things up, and he makes changes, and they just don't hold up to critique. You know, they within the movie itself, it works perfect. But yeah. you can tell that he's an, an AI after the fact. But if he's a robot, why is he sleeping? Yeah, you know, like why is he? There? It he just raises be, the 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 point about it. I thought is that he, he mimics human emotion and yeah. human activity to make them feel like he's not. And not a robot. And that's that's the and way. That to, was the whole. That's the way to sell it. That was but, the whole reveal yeah. in the movie was they didn't know. Well, they yeah, didn't they know until the very the end. Yeah. And but the, they didn't realize there, it. There should be clues to mm -hmm. the to the audience so that there's an actual payoff, and that's where I think Ridley Scott differs from other filmmakers like a Spielberg is. He never gets all the payoffs that he sets up. Yeah. Because he, he changes things so much. Mm -hmm. um, and even after the movie's made, he goes back and he, ch he has director's cuts and extended cuts and yeah. final cuts. And it's, it's because he's finding, oh, I should have done this and I should have done this. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, you should have. And it changes you know? the movie. Like, you should have had clues in the movie to pay off when you realize he's an android. You know, when they all wake up, he should have woken up faster. He should have been you know, first sh- to wake up. Yeah, or, I mean, he should have been... He should have gotten out of that sleep faster. He uh-huh. should have been more co- more coherent. Um, little things like that, so that on your second viewing as a, as a, an audience, you can say, oh, oh, look at that, oh, look at that. Uh-huh. That's the payoff that you get. Mm-hmm. But you don't, because he didn't know that it was going to be an or, android until or the like, story was half written. Why, why is he so quick at getting this done? Or why yeah. was he here and then all of a sudden here? It's like, did he run really fast? Yeah. How so does he have that speed? You know, it's yeah. like it, people didn't know. You know what that would have yeah. been that's, dealing with. That's so. just my that's my critique of almost every Ridley Scott movie ever made is yeah. that he changes things, but he doesn't keep all of the pieces in line. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've already filmed this scene. So yeah. you can't go back and refilm no. it to put that clue in. Yeah. Um, so you, you, he misses a beats. And I mean, obviously he's Ridley Scott. He's a, an amazing director. Yeah. He could be that much better. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> it's a critique of a giant, you yeah. know, but it's still, yeah. it's something I think about every time I watch a Ridley Scott movie. So. Well, I, I think the only difference is when he bases it, he uses an actual book oh um, yeah like the martian the martian or even uh blade runner yeah it's based off the android see what blade runner he took so many machine. liberties with that yeah. it's practically his own yeah it's thing, his own thing. you know because um, i mean he's doing a sequel <laughs> yeah um but yeah so in some of them like alien he has more room to play um and yeah. that's where you see a lot of you, you see his best work and while the martian is it was good it, 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 the movie isn't great. The book is The great. book is you great. Know, so he, so can, yeah. he only gets it so yeah. far. So Well, and then, like, some of the actors, Harry Dean Stanton, he didn't like uh, sci-fi or scary movies or something. Yeah. And so uh, Ridley Scott, he had told him, uh, he had convinced him to take the role after reassuring him that the film would actually be a thriller more akin to Ten Little Indians. Nice. And then he was sold. He was yeah. like, yeah, go ahead, sign me up. That's... So it was great. I thought that was so funny. What do you think would have happened had the film ended with with um, Ripley just escaping the Nostromo? So the first ending? Yes. Had it just stopped there? Yeah. Um, I think it would be try to think of an example um you know instead of it being top 10 sci-fi it's top 100 yeah you know simple as simple as that like it had enough up to that point to to solidify it as something amazing um the only thing that that extra adds i mean obviously you get the extra suspense and all of that and you get two two endings really mm-hmm. but you see the xenomorph yeah you know you see it full body um yeah. so had they had they maybe shown more of the xenomorph itself um they could have ended it easily mm-hmm. at the after the explosion yeah um you know and they fly off into space they could have made very little changes like she could have um gone to sleep 
you know, gotten into the, the sleep chamber, or whatever it's called, um, after the explosion, and you could see little hints that around that tell you the aliens on board to still set up a sequel. Um, yeah. So I think they could have easily done Changed very it. little things. Yeah. I mean, two or three really little things and set cut that entire system. second yep. ending. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I liked the second yeah, ending. Like, I mean, it it's, worked it's, really well because you feel like there's something not quite right in the shuttle. And like they set that first up first time you know? seeing it, you don't expect it. Yeah. You don't expect the alien to be there. You don't expect to see that silvery dome like head cuddled back inside yeah, in the this wall. hole that she wouldn't have known it was there because it's a shuttle and she yeah. didn't really think about it. But as soon as she saw that hand come out, it's like, ah! Yeah. Yeah, I, I like the second... I'm calling it the second ending. Yeah. I, I oh, like yeah, the second ending. I think it, it made the movie very a lot better. Mm -hmm. um, but as a, like a producer... Or a film exec that pays, you know, the, that's paying for the movie, you could cut that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but I do, I like it. I, I'm glad they did it. Um, and some of the best payoffs are in that in that final scene. Yeah. Seeing the xenomorph in the wall yeah. does a, a lot for me. You know, for me, watching this movie, it's like watching Prometheus for somebody who had seen Alien. Like, you're yeah. seeing Easter eggs in Prometheus. Yeah. I'm seeing them in Alien because yeah. I didn't see the first one for some stupid reason. <laughs> you know, so seeing it in the wall, you know, harkens back to Aliens. Um, yep. You know, s sending it out to the... The, the airlock. The airlock, you know, goes to other movies. So it's... Um, you know, for me, they were Easter eggs. To everyone else, they were the original. So, yeah, but, yeah I liked the second ending. I'm glad they did it. Um, but you could have cut it, you know. <laughs> um, also, when you have John Hurt and his famous scene of the alien bursting out of his chest. Mm, yeah. Uh, it wasn't really him, of course. It was a body dummy. But he was underneath. Okay. And he was the one that was like, like controlling okay. it. And Veronica Cartwright didn't realize that they were going to use real blood that was going to spurt out. Nice. And so she screamed. And it was the perfect, you know, kind of reaction that they were expecting. Yeah. Because she didn't expect it to be that way. He did that a lot. I mean, it's like, okay, guys, the, his chest is going to pop open and this thing is going to come out of it. Yeah. What he didn't say is his chest is going to explode. Yeah. You know, so you still get a reaction. <laughs> um, but they, they know where to look and they know what to do. So. But yeah, it was uh, uh, just, it was, it's always interesting to know how they really come up with these uh, little hints of saying oh look at this yeah <laughs> so uh i i found that really interesting though are there some other points that you have you know, to bring really out? The, the the last thing i've got is you know the whole point of this podcast talking about music the music is wonderful but you don't notice it 
Except, yeah, it's very subtle. Yeah, except and, the, the main theme. Yep. Um, you really don't notice it. But watching it with the isolated score, things like that, you, you start to see how important it is. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I, I look at the soundtrack list and I watch the movie and I can't say, oh, yeah, this is this is the song during you this part. And this you is wouldn't the be song. able to tell. The only part that I really opening notice and ending. is the opening credits and then the hibernation chamber. Yeah. The, the one, the hypersleep chambers... That's the opening music that really gets you into the movie mm-hmm. and is the most uh, familiar. Yeah. And even the ending credits are very familiar. But throughout the whole movie, I mean, today, I listened to the Alien score again. I have the deluxe edition, which is two-disc yeah. set, that has the rescored parts to it, that the, the has extras. the regular score... Yeah. And it's really interesting because you don't get um, a lot of different themes in it, but you know it's kind of it's one of those scores that is very tense and very. Uh, yeah, I mean it was obviously a socket to you. You know, yeah. it's it's very organic and it doesn't have any um, mechanical way about it. It's not synthetic. Yeah, it's. It's a very uh, live score, but it's definitely a start to space horror, or yeah. even getting into that genre of sci-fi horror, because um, it was kind of one of those movies that started that oh, whole yeah, genre. Definitely the first or the the biggest one yeah. started off. So yeah, I just thought that was. I mean, before um, you know, you're about to play some songs from the, the mm-hmm. score, you know. There's really not those high notes that other movies have. No. And that's on purpose. You yeah. Know, they don't want you to notice the music. They want you to f- keep in the, in the moment. So. Yeah. And even though the film is very quiet and very subtle uh, for a lot of ways, that music helps to get oh, yeah. you really uh, tense during those tense scenes. Like... The scene where um, Don Hurt is first identifying the egg, and then the creature comes out and attaches to his face, that whole note of music really scares you because you're not expecting that. And if there was just silence, it wouldn't have had the effect. Oh, yeah. You combine the the audio and the video to to produce the desired effects and sound effects and everything. So, yeah, I just thought... Yeah, so so I've got I've got a few cues that I would like to play. Yep. Now, some of these I'm going to blend together. There are four cues uh, for this first section I'd like to play. Um, it includes the main title, hypersleep, the landing, and terrain. Now, this is involved with them landing the shuttle, uh, going onto the planet itself, yeah, and them figuring it figuring out oh you can walk on this planet it's not like very low gravity you can actually yeah, walk on it to point, where it has gravity yeah, 0.87 gravity yeah. i think or yeah, some, something around that it was heavier about that and so they're finding out you know the mystery of this planet why is this ship here it's a massive ship yeah and they're finding out they get into it so what do you think about how the music 
for that, do you think it affects the film? Oh, absolutely. I mean, like, so the music throughout the movie is, is, is important and, and great. It's just, um, you know, you've got episodes where, you know, we did Dune, you did Star Wars. Like, mm-hmm. these are movies where the music becomes um, a, a character. Yes. This is a movie where the music supports yes. the characters. And, and so they're just, they're different. Um, this is one of the first, um, you know, like watching Halloween in space. It's the music is helping set tones and moods and everything. Yeah. Um, and Jerry Goldsmith, he had a way of uh, connecting those otherworldly feelings yeah. into his music. And you can identify with these characters, and then when the final reveal of the actual alien is there, and you see the the tenseness with Parker and with Veronica Cartwright's character, and um, it's, it's sad that so many tracks were cut yeah. from the film because I think it would have made it more of an engaging soundtrack. See, I for the I most like part. it, and I think cutting it. Or, you know, leaving the more melodic, you know, um, it it kind of gives you a different feel. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be lulled into this. I want to be, like, torn apart and and yanked into it. And so (laughs) the music was still Goldsmith. Um, It was just pieced together for the effect. Um, Yeah. And maybe that's the shortfall is, is Ridley Scott for not communicating that. Or Jerry Goldsmith for not receiving it, but either way, you know he made the movie he wanted to. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, so let's listen. We'll we'll listen to that now. Thank you. 
My next pieces uh, include some of the rescored alternatives. Um, Some of those are a combination of different tracks that uh, were rescored, re-edited. Some of these will be the skeleton, hanging on, the cupboard, and finally out the door. Now these are pieces that weren't actually played in the movie, but it was released on the soundtrack. Music produced for it. Yeah, and so these are different pieces of the same score, but we're going to get a different uh, take on it. It's still Jerry Goldsmith. Yeah. So uh, let's go ahead and listen to that.
Bye.
So my last track I'd like to play today is only one cue. It is the end title. Yeah. And it is the big payoff to know that she got rid of the alien. Uh, you know, she goes, she does her final monologue about her being the last survivor of the Nostromo. And uh, she's whisked away into space. And uh, you don't know what's going to happen to her until they make a sequel several or four years later yeah it's no no it's several years later because it's uh 1979 and then it was 86 oh yeah when aliens was made so uh and it's a 57 year time gap yeah so it makes for a different very different movie uh but that's that kind of sets up you know for the next film yeah. of how that is and tim i'd like to thank you for being on the show once again yeah um i hope very soon we can do it again we definitely i've got a list all right <laughs> well we'll discuss after recording and um next time i'll be trying to review uh superman the motion picture i'm hoping that i can get joe patrick on with me i've been trying to communicate with them if not i might go for something else in the meantime until i can get joe to do that one i'll i'll skip it until i can get him yeah uh because i think i think that movie has a very special place in his heart oh yeah for the score and how it affects uh the the whole effect of the movie but until then uh, I want to thank you all for joining us. Um, you can follow my podcast on iTunes or on Podbean. Um, please leave a review or a comment on iTunes, and it'll get my podcast more uh, more notice. And also check out my soundtrack blog at soundtrackalley.net every Sunday for a new soundtrack post. And so thanks again, Tim, for joining me. And now we'll hear the end title, and happy listening.
Thank you for listening to Soundtrack Alley, the podcast. I hope you take some time to review my podcast on iTunes and also listen to it on Podbean. And if you leave a review or rating on there, it'll help us get noticed on iTunes. Thank you so much. Have a good day.